to down to down to. Yeah, missed and peeved. Missed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be missed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I don't use it, but it's not in your vocab. Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, featured on Dash Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, we had an amazing game yesterday. I mean, I I, I end up watching it live, uh, which is obviously destroying my sleeping schedule. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was worth it. I mean, it was a very, very good game, not just because of KC won, but because how they played uh, down the stretch, which to me was... Um, it was a very, very good game, uh, again, uh, by, by OKC. So I'm glad I watched it live. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into some specifics. I think we'll talk a lot about Paul George, uh, his offensive game. But the reason that a Thunder fan should feel optimistic heading into the rest of the series to me is not the way that Paul shot the ball, but the way that he defended and the way the Thunder team defended overall. Um, because that is something that is sustainable because I'm not sure what answers the Utah jazz will have and they will have some answers, but I'm not sure that they'll have anything that it will be groundbreaking. And so the defense is what I looked at and said, well, that they can, if they can do this, you know, if you take out the first five minutes of the game on that, that 16 to four run, they started the game with take that out and take out the Alec Burks, 10 points in two minutes if they can do that which i think they can i don't think they were doing anything crazy it was just a really good game plan uh where they basically they're taking joe ingles out of the game and Mm -hmm. and they're not allowing him to do what he does which is i mean this dude typically fills the stat sheet last night 13 points one assist two rebounds like that that to me is the game you know, mm-hmm. you can look at Donovan Mitchell and what he did. He was really good. Also, <clears throat> another thing that tells me that the OKC got with the, Oh my gosh, what happened? What is that? Did you, you hear something? Yeah, are you okay? Yes. Okay. So, what happened? I don't know. I just heard a lo- <laughs> I just heard a loud sound. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, okay. I don't know what what that was. Okay. Shall we uh, No, it's okay. You- we'll just keep going. We'll just keep going. Um okay. So they took Joe Ingles out of the game. Uh, that's one thing that I think shows that their their defense got what they wanted for Oklahoma City. Number two is Ricky Rubio took 18 shots last night. And a lot of them were these mid-rangers, some floaters. Uh, and there he was kind of taking what the defense is giving him, which is something I feel like the Thunder had done like all season, where they take what the defense gives them. And it's awful shots is what they give mm-hmm. them. And so yes. that's... That's what Ricky got all night. Um, so I, I just think I, you can look at the game and say, you know what, Paul George is not going to do that again. And Paul George can't do that the whole series. You know, can the Thunder win without Paul George doing that? And to me, I, I think the answer is yes, because of the way they defended them. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, it's the first time we see play of P in OKC. So right. who knows? Right. <laughs> who knows what, what, what he's going to, to do uh, next game? But you're right. I mean, his shooting uh, numbers are clearly unsustainable. Uh, but to me, like OKC, except for that specific matchup, Ingles, uh, Paul George, didn't really show up uh, a bunch of tricks. Yeah. They guarded Donovan Mitchell with Brewer, which is probably what you expect. Um, Jeremy Grant played like not not that many minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they let Carmelo Anthony be their main four uh, throughout the game. Uh, the fourth quarter, he even uh, I think he even um, got in earlier than uh, what he did uh, in um, in the last games of the season. So I think that Donovan played a very good game without 
showing too much. Yeah. Um, and part of that was because PG was on fire. And, and so I thought that OKC has um, more things to show. For example, Russ didn't guard Donovan Mitchell for a single possession. Uh, which is something that he can do since he's actually good in guarding guys on the ball. Um, for example, Donovan can play Abrinas more with the starters because I think that he can handle Rubio uh, because Rubio has to be guarded in a very specific way, which Russ did perfectly yesterday, which is something that um, may maybe like uh weird because they say well he just had to stay like um five feet away that's that's not really the case uh brewer switched on on rubio uh twice and he was too close like a bit too close and rubio immediately attacked him and brought it uh, towards the rim mm-hmm. with russ that didn't happen so i think that okc has uh, a lot of things to show i also think that the Jets got a few open looks that they didn't convert, which is something that will not happen throughout the, the series. It will be, we will have a game where they eat basically all the open shots. And, and so I think that it was, again, a good game to start the season, uh, to start the, the series. Uh, but there's a lot to come from both ends, I think. Yeah. I think overall they covered the three-point line pretty well, though. Yes. And like some like the, the open looks that I remember in meaningful minutes were like a, a Rubio above the break three that he missed, um, and then Royce Ingles, Ingles also Ingles I think got like one or two that were good shots I would say yeah he was still three of five last night which doesn't seem right um, oh but, wow yes doesn't seem right yes but he um you know he he didn't get as he didn't get enough looks and that was because of Paul George. And, you know, you have to wonder if the Thunder are just going to match their minutes going forward. I mean, obviously Paul needs to play more than 32 minutes a game. Um, But you just have to wonder if they'll just match those minutes because I'm sure, you know, a strategy could be, you know, try to play Ingles when Paul George goes out, you know, and try to Mm -hmm. see if you can let him run the second unit kind of thing. But, you know, if you're the Thunder... As much as you can, if you can just limit Joe Ingles, he's, you know, a lot of people say like Russell Westbrook is the head of the snake for uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Joe Ingles is that for the offense for Utah Jazz, for the way that they want to play. And, you know, a lot of people would say, no, that's Donovan Mitchell. If, if If they can get Joe Ingles going and he is passing the ball and he's getting, you know, rebounds and he is, you know, doing what he needs to do and hitting threes. Like that's when the Utah Jazz are the quote unquote Utah Jazz. Like they move the ball well and then they allow the space for Jonathan Mitchell to score. And Mitchell was really good last night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was I think it's the uh he he had a double double 27 and 10. No other player besides LeBron has done that in their first playoff game. I mean, he he was really, really good. And he's dealing with the toe injury. Uh, he downplayed it, said he just stubbed his toe. Uh, but there's a reason they did an MRI on it. And there's a reason that they did x-rays on it because he's clearly uncomfortable. Um, and so that's something going forward. Uh, also on the OKC side, as far as injuries go, you have Paul George who re-aggravated a hip injury. He also downplayed it, said that it's no big deal. He'll, he'll be ready. And then Steven Adams clearly hurt his wrist at the end of the game. And uh, he Donovan didn't even know that he had the wrist injury. I think that's why he kept playing him. He didn't even know that he had it. And then after the game, the Thunder, their message to the media was that he's fine and that he has no injury. So maybe there was just some soreness there. I'm not sure. But that's that's what we've heard. Yeah, and the Thunder are pretty conservative when it comes to injuries. So uh, I think that Stephen will be fine. Uh, yes, it was. I think Donovan should have realized, like watching the game, like everyone else did. But maybe he was caught up in other thing, uh, other thinking, and so other uh, thoughts. So uh, I hope that Stephen is okay because that is a crucial matchup. Yeah. And I heard um, Fred Katz uh, talking about this, um, like both. Gobert and Adams didn't have like the greatest of the games Mm -hmm. because like they were okay. I mean, they, but, but this is crucial for OKC 
if Adams can be good, like not great, while def- while keeping Gobert uh, in the same um, good game but not great game, it's extremely important because Gobert is the defensive anchor for the team. And I, I think that these screens are also very, very important on offense. So if you don't allow Gobert to be that uh, the main factor for Utah, then you're doing yourself a favor. And mm-hmm. so... To me, that is uh, why Stephen Adams was um, Stephen Adams' game was so underrated uh, in terms of uh, box score numbers because what he did on the court was to uh, physically uh, harass Gobert for basically the entire game, uh, which mm-hmm. is tiring in the end uh, because you have to deal with the seven footer that weighs probably more than you uh, that is not afraid to use his body in any possible way that causes you troubles, and so. It's really, um, it will be a subtle uh, game between the two, these two players, but it is probably one of the most important matchups uh, going forward. Yeah, the biggest thing that Adams can do is just glue Gobert to him on both ends. Exactly. Um, because whenever he feels like he can't leave Steven Adams because of the lob threat or that little floater threat, um, or Adams is just being so physically dominant with him, uh, that's... OKC wins this series pretty quickly <clears throat> if this if this is the way it's going to be. Um, you know, you're right that Adams didn't really impact the box score. Although, like, his line, his line is pretty good, like 12 and 7, 3 assists. Like, that's that's pretty good still. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. He could have, and, you know, he, he was a no-show box score-wise in the first half, um, but he impacted the game greatly. Like if you can just minimize Gobert by 20-30%, then you're talking a a series that could be a four or five game series Um, just because he he is that team. And I think the Thunder are going to let Donovan Mitchell beat him and, you know, try to shut down everything else, which is an interesting strategy. And, you know, Mitchell, I don't know if they're going to get this a, a... a much better game from Mitchell the rest of the series. One, because I don't know what the status of his foot is. Second, like he shot 50% from the field. He had three yeah, threes. Yeah. He had, you know, 10 rebounds, three assists, two steals. He had some crazy shots at the rim. Uh, and yeah. maybe, maybe they, maybe he can keep this up. Um, but shooting 50% is tough. Like people talk about the Paul George game being unsustainable and to a lesser degree, the Donovan Mitchell game may be a little bit unsustainable too. Um, just because they like, I, I thought that Brewer did a good job on him. I thought overall the Thunder did a good job defending him. He just hit some really, really crazy shots. Um, so they defended the the three point line well for the most part. There were a few open looks, and you saw when the defense let down, like you saw a regular season Thunder out there at the end of the game uh, when Joe Ingles got that wide open three, and everybody just mm-hmm. kind of stood there uh, when they were, I think they were up eighteen at that point. And you saw regular season Thunder, you know, implementing their defensive style, which is just in and watch. Um, but when the when the game mattered, they covered the three point line really well. They contested really well, uh, and I feel like they followed Billy Donovan's game plan well. After after that initial timeout with about five minutes in, uh, they they noticed some things that were not working, and their offense was just so terrible. Um, but they quickly went on a 12-0 run after that and they corrected their defensive problems and they started getting some good shots, uh, which was encouraging because when they came out, it was like, oh no, like this team doesn't know what to do with this jazz team. Like they don't, yeah. <laughs> they don't know who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, that was part, uh, was mainly an offensive problem um, yeah. because if you count uh, the basket that Utah had in the first few minutes, they were basically all transition or semi-transition opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, which came from very, very early shots and ill-advised ones uh, from OKC. So there is one thing that you cannot allow, especially early in the game uh, with a team like, like Utah, you don't allow transition points. Uh, you run your offense, uh, you go into your scheme, and you probably try to take the best shot possible early, like um, in, um, in the early part of the game, maybe using like 10, 12 
seconds on the clock. And I think I, I went back and looked part of the actions in the regular season games. And in many games, like especially the last two ones, they at, at the beginning of the game, the offense was really good. They run stuff for PG. They, they run a lot of screens. They move the defense. And they start off with the right foot. Yesterday, they didn't. They really didn't. They were just rushing mid-rangers. Uh, Paul, I, I thought, uh, was too much into, I am trying to score on you now uh, by myself, which is not, again, uh, a good thing to do against a defense like the one uh, that Utah has. As soon as they use screens as soon as they went into their sets like uh, freeing up uh, Paul George of screens and stuff like that things also in defense uh, changed because they didn't have to to, to guard uh, Mitchell in transition going like 100 miles per hour right yeah exactly and I thought that the quote at the beginning of the game was interesting um, from the jazz coach and he, he said that Someone asked if you know what's what's going on with your turnovers because at the beginning of the season you guys had a you know a turnover problem and then you guys have corrected it and um, Snyder said, "Well, we haven't played Oklahoma City since <laughs> since December, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you know th- they only turned it over fourteen times last night, um, mostly by the starters and Dante Exum, um, and I think that's an area the Thunder can improve in." Is that they can they can turn this Jazz team over more than fourteen times because the Thunder themselves turn it over seventeen times, and you know I feel like this Thunder team can win that battle on most nights. Uh, if if you listen to Billy's post game press conference, you would have no idea, and you didn't know the outcome of the game, you would have no clue that they won because of the way that he talked. Like he, yeah. he just continued to just press. He probably said it four or five times. We have to be better. We have to be better than that. Uh, so that's like, I like that, Billy. I like that, that you think that they need to be better because I, I agree. There's a lot of areas where they could be better. And the Paul George shooting just covered up a ton of that. Uh, yes, exactly. He was eight of 11 from three, 13 to 20 overall. Uh, and here's, here's a stat that just, is like very exciting and made me pull my hair out at the same time is that the Thunder shot 20 of 23 from the free throw line, two misses from Adams late. And then one miss from mellow late. They sh- they're shooting a hundred percent from the line nearly the entire game. Um, like that's, <laughs> that's how you win basketball games is that you, you yes. make your free throws, you hit your threes like you play good defense and you win basketball games and the thunder just hadn't done that much all season. And then they were able to do it last night, uh, which is the reason that they won. And, you know, they can go to the free throw line more than that. They average more free throws than that on the season. Uh, you know, Paul George only went to the line twice, rest nine times, which is great. And then the bench didn't go to the free throw line once. And that's, you know, Jeremy Grant typically gets to the line, you know, three or four times, uh, Ray, Ray Felton can draw fouls. Um, so you can expect that to improve a little bit. And those dudes, they, they hit their free throws. So that's not a problem for them. Uh, it's been kind of your main guys. And, you know, if Steven Adams goes to the line too much, you know, your percentage isn't going to be great. But, you know, that's a huge deal. Like if that if those free throw yips are gone and they're able to hit from the line, like that's a huge thing for this team. If they can just defend the three-point line, hit their free throws, and try to play in transition more, they don't even have to shoot like this from three. Um, then, yeah, they can they can win. They can they can win the series, and they can win it probably pretty quickly. Uh, they shot twenty-nine threes last night, and made fourteen of them. Uh, I want to talk about Alex Abrinas. What? Are, what oh are yeah. You, what yeah. are you? <laughs> This is our guy. He's been our guy since the preseason. And this is who we thought we were getting all season. And here he is. What What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, uh, can, can I go back for a second on the turnover things for Utah? Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think there, there, there is a thing that... Sorry, I touched on like a hundred things right there. Like, touch yeah, on- no, it's fine. <laughs> like... To me, one of the things that are really interesting about uh, the game of last night was the fact that OKC allowed fewer passes from Utah uh, Hmm. compared to what they usually 
uh, doing basically these kind of situations. Because Utah had like 276 um, passes, which is roughly 40 or 50 less than their uh, season average, which mm-hmm. is well above 300. So, like, they they had few passes because OKC basically killed those passing lanes by, as we said at the beginning, by cutting out uh, Ingles and by letting Mitchell and Rubio beat them. Yeah. Uh, so by letting uh, um, just two guys that, that dribbled the ball, finishing at the rim. And Adams allowed zero or very few passes to Gobert after, after the first uh, few minutes. And it is, this is crucial. Uh, so the number of turnovers really doesn't turnover force doesn't bother me like like the fact that they had just 14. But I look at the fact that they really um, played Utah outside um, their comfort zone, like they passed the ball less. And, and this is extremely important. Going back to Abrinas, I mean, to me, Abrinas, again, uh, showed that he can stay on the court on the defensive end. And he got like two calls that were like very, very borderline calls where he was standing with putting his body on bigger players and and he wasn't beat up in the post by a bigger guy like Crowder. Mm-hmm. These are very, very good sign for a guy that is not known for his defense and that struggles to earn minutes throughout the season. And then if you give that guy two good looks from three uh, from the corners uh, most nights at least one goes in uh, last night like two of those uh, thanks to the man of the day Jeremy Grant in terms of passing um, <laughs> it, like Jeremy gave him like two very very good passes oh, uh, in the sh- yeah. in the shooting pocket mm-hmm. this is some sometimes is overlooked the fact that Jeremy was able to trigger the pass and deliver exactly where Brinas had his hands this is crucial because Abrinas just had to, to go up, like no uh, movement, just a pure stroke. And I think that Abrinas will have a key role in this series. Maybe not in the next one, if there is any uh, series after this one. But here, I think that Donovan can play him even more. And uh, as I said at the beginning, he play he can play him with the starters more to give Russ more space. And, and it did. He did great last night. Like, this is exactly the value of Alex Sabrinas. A dead-eye three-point shooter that if you give him space, he will kill you. And last night, his points were probably crucial for OKC uh, late run. Yeah, those two threes in particular from, from Grant, where one, I don't even know how he did it because he got to the rim, he rose up and just split second, just bullet pass to Abrinas in the corner and it was just perfect Mm -hmm. and I've never seen that pass from him typically you know prior to you know January 1st you knew exactly what Jeremy Grant was going to do like on both ends like he would clearly telegraph everything that was going to happen you could say okay I can see exactly what's coming here that's not the case anymore like he's just a really good basketball player now and before he was just a really talented athlete and he could do some stuff on the basketball court. He was a great dunker. He could block some shots. He could hit a three every now and then. But now like he's he can dribble. He's got good body control. He can pass it. He can shoot it. He like He's a good player. And I feel like he can be more involved than he was last night. You know, he didn't really do much in the first half. I really didn't do anything in the first half. Like he could be more involved than he was. He only took four shots. Um, That's like where OKC has some upside is if Grant can be a little bit more involved. And also if they can get Patterson some open looks too. like the bench played really well and their plus minus like speaks for itself. Plus 14 for Abrinas, plus 12 for Grant, you know, plus nine for Felton. You know, those numbers speak for themselves, but we can still, they can have a better offensive night than they did. You know, you you only get 17 points from your bench. You know, we've seen the Thunder bench contribute way more than that. Um, so I, it, there's some upside for OKC. Obviously, there's upside still for Utah. But, you know, the Thunder haven't showed that they have another gear to go to last night. And some of it's the way that Billy coached the game. Billy deserves a ton of credit for the way that he orchestrated everything last night. 
And, you know, Billy's a part of that equation. You know, Paul and Russell and Mello are part of that equation. Uh, and the benches too. And just the way that they organize everything and the way they you know, use their lineups, you know, this Thunder team has another gear to go to. And I, I don't know if the Jazz do. Maybe they do. And, you know, this is this could still be a long series. That's what I picked this to be, a long series. Uh, but, you know, if, if they don't have another gear to go to, this this could be it. And the Thunder, you know, may have found some things that will really work. Uh, speaking of things that uh, really work and are really great, Andy's frozen custard. You can go to locations in Oklahoma City. Uh, we have a few around here. If you live kind of northwest Oklahoma City, there's one on Northwest Expressway in MacArthur. That's the one that I go to. There's one out in Edmond. Uh, there's also locations in Texas, Arkansas, Missouri, Colorado, Illinois, Tennessee, North Carolina, Florida, Arizona. I know we have listeners in almost all those states. Please. Go check out Andy's Frozen Custard today. It's made fresh hour by hour. You can watch it being made through the window. Uh, I encourage you to go get, if you, like I, you get there and the menu is, man, it's really overwhelming. There's so many things to choose. Get, just get your standard Andy's Ozark Turtle because it will give you everything you need to know about Andy's. The custard is unbelievable. They have great hot fudge on this. They have cream caramel on it. And they have roasted pecans that are just to die for. You've got to go check out Andy's Frozen Custard today. Support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at Andy's. All right. Uh, anything else that stuck out to you? Uh, we haven't talked about Mellow. Let's talk about the uh, the Mellow Derek Favors matchup. What what were your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it, it was it was an interesting interesting matchup, and I think it will continue to be as the series goes along. Um, I think that Melo played overall um, a good game, which is why Billy gave him like a longer leash uh, with the starters in the fourth and and I th- and also in the first quarter. Um, I think that there are things that he did on the defensive side that were not okay. Um, I was watching the Italian broadcast um, for part of the game uh, and in like in breaks they were showing um, schemes and advanced stuff and two times uh, they focused on a pick and roll between Mitchell and, and Favors. Mm-hmm. And two times um, Brewer failed to go over the screen and Melo really did a poor job to cut out um, Mitchell dribble penetration towards the middle of the court. So basically there was the screen on the um, right side. Well, it depends, uh, like on the right side of Mitchell, um, was attacking the basket and Favors did did a screen and Melo stayed like below the screen. Mm -hmm. So he didn't come up. That is okay. But instead of going towards the middle of the court, he go, he basically stayed on the, other side of pick and roll. Mm. And so when Mitchell uh, sprint through, basically he had an open lane and it happened twice and Adams didn't help uh, because the rule was stay with uh, with Gobert and no dunks on, on dribble penetrations, but he wasn't able really to contest. And, and another time, Melo was really up on the same pick and roll which was slightly on the right this time. And so he was able to trap Mitchell and OKC uh, got a steal from that. So I think that part is the game plan to avoid uh, passes towards either Favors, Gobert and other guys and let like the, like, let the guard, uh, in this case Brewer, try to avoid the penetration. Mm-hmm. But on the other end, you have to be like a, a bit more quick in seeing that Brewer didn't do his job and Mitchell took advantage, he will never pass the ball uh, to Favors. Just do an extra step and be more aware uh, about what is going on. So I think that uh, Utah will exploit more these kind of situations. And I don't know how the Thunder will react. Maybe they will just say, well, we will just defend aggressively the, the screen. And if Mitchell beats, him, beats us, fine. We don't allow passes. Or Melo will try to do a bit more and try to contest both situations and stay in this in-between area that allows you to 
like help on the penetration and help uh, on your men. I know that it's hard to uh, uh, get a grasp, a grasp of this uh, without actually seeing. So maybe we will try to post the videos of those actions to clear out what, what we are discussing here. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I mean, it makes sense. And that's, those are some things that just Mello kind of struggles with, has struggled yes. with all season. Um, maybe some positives on the defensive end for him is that he's got really good hands. And that was, oh, yeah. that yeah. was on full display last night. There was one play where the Thunder missed a shot, Gobert had it, Mello just strips him. <laughs> and then Mello hits this like little bunny shot uh, in the mid paint like those little things like those like matter like those can be like demoralizing to teams just like oh my goodness like we did we had the ball we stopped them we you know stopping this Oklahoma City Thunder team was really tough last night you know they mm-hmm. shot the ball really well and they were getting everything they wanted and then if Mello Carmelo Anthony is able to strip you uh, before you can get your offense going and make a shot like that's like that's pretty devastating so I thought that that was really great. Uh, He can obviously shoot the ball a lot better than he did last night. Um, But overall, I'd say that you'd you'd give it to Mello over Favors last night because I do think that that matchup matters. And, you know, Favors did not have a good game overall. You know, he, let's see, he was uh, seven points on seven shots, three assists, five rebounds, a minus 12 on the night, Um, which is a a low for the starters for Utah. So it's, it, you know, the Thunder, you know, won that matchup. And so Mello, in, fa- in fact, was one of two players that were a positive plus minus. And that's because we saw Mello with the bench last night and yes. in the first quarter. And that's something different. If you were paying attention during the first quarter, typically Paul George plays the entire first quarter and they try to give him minutes at the bench in that way. Uh, but they pulled Paul early, and they pulled Mel or they pulled Westbrook early, and they had this odd lineup out there that included both Terrence Ferguson and Alex Aprinas at the same time, which is like, what in the world is happening here? Um, they came in for Brewer and Paul George; uh, those are the first two subs, and it was quite confusing. You know, Terrence only ended up playing those two minutes. Uh, which was fine. Like if people ask me, like, what did you think about his minutes? I was like, I don't like, he didn't do anything, you know, nothing happened um, while he was out there. So uh, I think they're just trying to give the rookie a little taste of what the playoffs are like. And they clearly were not invested in giving him a ton of minutes last night, but um, I have no real opinion on, on that last night, but uh, Mello did get some minutes at the bench and he got, you know, he hit a three and he hit a little, uh, ISO shot and he, I, you know, it's, it's something that's interesting. They're giving different looks You know, we haven't really seen Mello with the bench much since the beginning of the season. And I wonder if, you know, Billy saw like, huh, like this is working. Let me tuck that away. Like, let's, yes. let's, let's that, just, let's just go to Paul because we know that this works. Let's make sure that Paul, this works with Paul too. Yes. And it never did. Uh, which is to me uh, why uh, one of the main reasons why OKC has this record and not like a 50 plus mm-hmm. um, win season. But this probably is a topic uh, that uh, that needs like uh, an entire podcast that we can do. Right. <laughs> like when the season is over. But but Melo, speaking again of Melo, I, I wasn't uh, in my, uh, say, little uh, stuff on the screens was the only thing. Uh, that Melo did wrong, like clearly uh, wrong in, in the game. I thought he had a very interesting game effort-wise. He was like trying to recover balls by flying out of the court. He stripped also Mitchell uh, once on a penetration. So I thought that Melo did exactly what he was supposed to do on the defensive end, giving like the, giving his status of player who doesn't like to play on that side. Um, and I also think that those specific um, plays will be exploited uh, in uh, on Wednesday because Quinn Snyder will look at the films and show. Well, we will attack Melo more mm-hmm. um, on the on the second unit stuff. Um, last three games of the season, Billy kind of went back to that, uh, and to me, the the, the um, having. Uh, Ferguson instead of Brewer um, is to give Melo all the possible space and no double teams uh, because Brewer, Utah will gladly let him shoot trees 
and OKC, I think, did a good job not indulging too much mm-hmm. in shots to Brewer. And so having Ferguson that after All-Star break, basically when Billy pulled out, pulled him out from the starting unit, uh, he's shooting very well from three. Uh, especially from the corners. So mm-hmm. uh, you, you you probably tweeted out that uh, that he's shooting more than 44% or exactly 44% uh, from three uh, mm-hmm. after also break. So, and Utah knows those stuff. And guess what? With Ferguson and Abrinas and Felton and Patterson, I think that was the lineup, um, Melo wasn't doubled a single time. Mm-hmm. You had like four semi-threat uh, from three or full threats in, term, in case of Patterson and Abrinas. And the floor is completely wide open for Melo, who will do his stuff. And you, you'll you have like a way to score with uh, with that unit for a very short amount of time, like two, three minutes, which are maybe six, seven possession. But if you are able to sh- just to score on those possession and play reasonably good defense – then when Paul George comes comes in like fresher and Grant is in, you have another way to attack in a good um, situation in terms of points and and score the game. So I thought Billy managed that particularly well. He, and he didn't do the same at the end of the third quarter. He mm-hmm. decided to give Grant um, a role there, which is okay because, again, that worked. And if you do like ten, like fifteen or twenty possession, then Quinn Snyder will look at those possession and try to counter by doubling Melo again and leaving Ferguson open, probably. So I think that Billy tried his best not to do too many stuff that um, Quinn Snyder can scout. And so we'll see. I think that, but but it was interesting that he used uh, the the second unit with Melo. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And I liked all the looks that he gave last night. There were no lineups where I was like, oh, why is he doing this? Like, what is going on here? You know, it's, you know, there's, there's playoff P and there's playoff B, you know, playoff Billy is pretty good, man. Like he, he's a, he's a good coach and he takes yes. a lot of heat during the regular season. Um, and especially you know, Thunder fans, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen fire Billy Donovan in my, in my feed, but like he's good. Like he's a good coach. Is he the best coach in the NBA? No. Is he a top five? No. But is he is he a smart, good basketball coach? Yes. Like he is. And you know, would it be nice to have a top five coach? Yeah, absolutely. That would be wonderful. But you know, the Thunder, you know, you you take Billy away, and you're not guaranteed to get anybody better than him. Um, oh no, on no, the no, market. No. So I wouldn't. I don't know. Billy deserves some credit. And I hope that people along the way, if the Thunder end up winning this series and they win it quickly, you know, the, the it's going to be Paul George and Russell and what Adams did on Gobert and all those things. But don't forget what Billy has done and the position that he put them in. Because like the defense they were playing last night, that's different than what they were doing most of the season. You know, the the offense last night, that's there's some different stuff that they're throwing out there. There's different lineups that are being thrown out there. And it's because Billy has prepared this team for that and prepared them to play in a lot of different ways. Um so yeah, it's been he's he's very good. He's a very good coach and you know I hope the Thunder fans recognize that because last night I feel like he he did a great job and he clearly has more things to show like you said um because last night after the game he was not too pleased with the way that they played and so I think they're going to go back to the drawing board they're going to watch a ton of film over these next few days and it feels like we have like a week before the next game because they don't play till Wednesday night now um but I, I feel like we're going to see some more looks from OKC. And, you know, Quinn Snyder is an outstanding basketball coach. Yes, he and is. He, and he has gotten every single thing that you could get out of that Utah Jazz team. He's gotten it. You know, mm-hmm. like that that Utah Jazz team, their, their ceiling with the injuries and everything they had was 48 wins. And they reached it. Like, they got it. You know? Exactly. Um, and... You know, I, I think that there's obviously some great things about that, but there's also some limitations when it comes to getting everything you can out of a team in the regular season. Um, come playoff time, the limitation is like we've done everything, like we've shown everything, we've given everything that we have, and we had to to get to the point that I mean, they had to to get to the point that they are to have you know, to get to the five seed, they had to show and do everything. And you know, Billy. 
kind of sat back and he tinkered with lineups and he's like, all right, I, I know some things that work and I'm not going to use them in the regular season and I'm not going to use these lineups in the regular season. And, you know, I'm going to continue to try to get Paul George to work with the second unit and then, you know, say that it's just for the comfort of Paul George and his game. And then game one of the playoffs, Paul George has pulled early in the first quarter. It's like, well, wait a minute. Well, what was that really for then? You know, um, so like the Thunder have a lot to show. And I just, I wonder if the Jazz showed everything. Maybe they didn't, but I just wonder if they already did. They already showed their hand in the regular season. And that's, I think that's, that's, two co- that's two coaching styles. You know, that's two different coaches with two different ideas. So it's, in- it's kind of interesting to, to, to show. What, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the things that uh, Queen Snyder can throw at OKC is will not start favors. And now you have to deal with um, Melo uh, being guarded by uh, Crowder, mm-hmm. and you have to 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 do a, even a better job guarding the three point line with that specific unit, which has been extremely successful in their run throughout uh, the ending of the season. So, I mean, there are. I, I don't think that Quinn Quinn is done in terms of uh, things that we will uh, try to that he will try to 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 show in the next games. Mm-hmm. But again, again, Billy, I mean, our, like the season that OKC had, if they told you at the beginning of the season, um, you know what, uh, the first unit and when Russ is on the floor uh, by himself, it's like plus 10. Mm-hmm. And then you add like every other minutes, you stagger Paul George. How can you think like before the season start, starts that, that can lead you to uh, below 50 regular season. Like no one in his right state of mind say, well, if you stagger Paul George and give him like free reigns, uh, he's good. He carried basically by himself an, an Indiana team last season to 47 wins. So sure, they will be like a very, very good team if you stagger them. You do it like for basically all season long. And that second unit just doesn't work for reasons that are beyond my comprehension. And if you sub Ferguson, I mean, Terrence Ferguson, to, uh, instead of Paul George in the same unit, that unit is positive. Right. So there's no no real reason, except that Paul didn't have a feel for that uh, for that unit. Maybe he, he, just, he just didn't find a way to be successful, and that can happen. And... But, but again, the plan wasn't bad. So if you want to say, well, Billy did a very bad job in, in, the, in, in, the, in the regular season, he's, um, he's going to be like, he should be fired and blah, blah, blah. Then yes, you're basically saying that trusting Paul George with a unit with shooters and athletic guy is not a good idea, which is, I think, um, just uh, an argument that can work on the Twitter beefs. <laughs> is that our transition yes do you like that yes i do like that <laughs> yeah so the game i have today is about twitter beefs and it's always my fun with stats and so the first beef is is oladipo so much better this season and there are like plenty of tweets and stuff like that uh to support the thesis that we had a beef uh in this case um the probably the the, the most egregious example is uh, the ringer article where he said do players really get better after leaving okc and sometimes it's true sometimes it's not uh, but the question is to you true or false oladipo this season generates five points points more per hundred possessions. Hmm. I have a feeling that it's false. No, it's true. It's okay. actually one of the, okay. <laughs> no, all the, all the it feels tricky. Is. I was like, I think so, but <laughs> yes, am I supposed yes. to think that? <laughs> no, this is actually, um, I, I mean, Oladipo has been phenomenal this season. Yeah. And I, I checked his, uh, synergy, um, breakdown and basically he improved in any single uh, game situation like he's miles like tons of points better in pick and roll in transition in spot ups opportunities and there's no denial on that but I don't think that saying that playing outside like away from Westbrook is what changed 
I think that he changed as a player, and it's amazing yeah. to watch. I mean, the, the game against Cleveland was, again, unbelievable. Like, he was taking Cleveland and LeBron James basically by himself, and he, he won the game, basically. So it's, it's great. I don't know why we have to do a beef, though, uh, in this case. <laughs> I know. Like, why... I- can it just be that maybe he learned some things in OKC and he, you know, got in better shape and, you know, now he's there and is better. And like, that's, I don't know why that can't be okay. Like, why can't that be like, wow, a great job, you know, Indiana for getting him in a trade for Paul George, you know, rather and you don't, yeah. you don't hear a yeah. lot of great job Indiana. You hear well, what was wrong with Oklahoma city. It's like, maybe, yeah. like maybe they played maybe one, nothing. they played one year together. One and yes yes it's you know it's and, just, and he had one playoff ex- he had he didn't have any playoff experience and he was horrible in the playoffs for Oklahoma City and then like everybody's like well the Thunder really screwed up giving him that contract you know like that yes. was the that was the everybody said this is the Oladipo salary dump I want I want to go back and maybe retweet everybody that said that it was a salary dump the Oladipo trade oh. was a salary dump and there are very smart people that, that said that. Yeah, like, and I'm sure those like very smart, very smart, very smart people now are are saying, you know, all these things about Oladipo's better because he's out of OKC and all that. It's just like, all right, dudes, just whatever. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also, like, it was funny that uh, last season I was uh, listening uh, to, like I said, like Italian broadcast uh, part in, in the breaks and like uh, the TNT one um, during the game, and Ian Eagle um, said that Donovan Mitchell. Uh, actually trimmed like 15 pounds from his um, freshman season at Louisville um, mm-hmm. going to the sophomore. And guess what? The fact that you are 15 pounds lighter makes you unguardable in dribble penetration because you are twice as fast. So Oladipo trimmed maybe more than that or close to that, I think. And he's lightning fast. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't that player last season, but how like with Donovan Mitchell and other players like James Johnson trimmed a, a good amount of pounds um, from his body and he basically reinvented himself and you get credit to Spolzer, I'm sure, and you get credit to him. With Oladipo, he trimmed uh, his like, um, body fat, he goes into another system and all the credit is on Oladipo, yes, but the meritocracy. Why? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but well, and Vic was in that shape like, before the trade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that like, needs to be mentioned, is that, like, he wasn't, he was motiv- He was going to come back better. Like, that was his oh, motivation. Yeah. And he, if you listen to anything that he says, like, he credits being in Oklahoma City. He says that if I would were traded from Orlando to Indiana, I would not be this guy. You know, my stop in Oklahoma City made me better. But for some reason, like people just love to ignore that fact and love to, you know, push different narratives. And like the closer I get to kind of these things and to some writers and to, you know, the the process and all of this stuff, like there really are these narratives that are created about these players. You know, Mm -hmm. narratives about Russell Westbrook, narratives about this Oladipo trade, narratives about the Oklahoma City Thunders organization period like there are these narratives that are being pushed out there by some like pretty powerful people that have massive a massive presence online and on twitter on facebook and all this stuff and it's being pushed by these guys and they all have like their own reasons why like they're they're close with people that really believe these things and that would like these narratives to be pushed harder and they do and a lot of it is just not even true and it just keeps it's just it's just interesting to see like how many things that are just not true at all that are just being carried out as if you know it's it were just facts and you know that's and that's the the you know, twitter is awesome like twitter is the reason that we're talking right now which is like yes, awesome yes. like there's so many great things about it uh, we literally connected on twitter like, yeah through dms yeah <laughs> like, literally. yeah we we became friends through twitter and like i I'm so thankful for that. But there's also like a part of Twitter that's like kind of dangerous where maybe, and maybe dangerous is not the right word for this NBA stuff. There's definitely some dangerous stuff out there. No question. But for the NBA, it's definitely not dangerous, but there's some just 
things that just aren't true that are being pushed out there and people take them as fact and they just run their mouths on them. And then you have, you know, an entire group of people that believe that something's true when it's not about, you know, the thunder or Russell or any of this stuff. I don't know. Anyways, I don't even know why, why I went on this rant, but you <laughs> continue with your fun with stats game. Sorry. Uh, the second part is a beef that we uh, we had between us. It was not a real beef, of course, uh, but it's about um, uh, me, you, and David Brandon uh, referring to Jeremy passes last night. Yeah. And so I looked back and oh. try try to use like uh, the the dashboard, uh, the NBA dashboard on passes to to track down um, Jeremy's passes. And I used like All Star Game uh, to to basically divide in a meaningful way the season. Okay. Uh, so for, there are two questions here. True or false? Uh, Jeremy Grant logged less than 300 passes before All-Star Games. And to me, passes is not like a real uh, general pass, but pass that lead directly to a shot. Oh, true. Uh, it's actually false. Really? He logged like, yes, it was, it was really incredible, uh, to see, but still he had like 309 passes, um, huh. in the, fir- in the first, uh, what is uh, seven and 58 games, uh, something like that, because he played 81. So it should be 58. And then in the last 23 games, second question, he generate more than 110 points per hundred possessions when passing the ball. True or false? In the first part of the season. No, in the second one. In the second. In the second part. True. Yes, it's true. He actually uh, generated 115 um, points on 102 passes from the All Star game, including last night, where he basically generated. 12 points on five passes or wow. something like that. Yeah. So in the first part of the season, he was actually passing the ball, but with uh, very poor results in terms of um, shooting because it was way below 95 point per possession uh, on passing situations. While in the second part of the season, his passes were better passes, especially to corner threes. And so, yes, Jeremy was a willing passer before, uh, but he was a much more accurate and like precise passer uh, in the in the second part of the season. Yeah, he. It's astounding what he's done with his game, because he. Yeah. I don't know, and I've I can't I've, I know I've talked more than enough about this, um, but he just continues to do things that are just very surprising. A lot of eyebrow raising yeah. when it comes to uh, Mr. Grant. <laughs> Yeah, and this is not uh, well. This is a good thing because OKC needs him, uh, but the fact that he is up for a, a contract this season is well, it's frightening <laughs> because he's adding more and more to his game. Yeah. And national media like Zach Lowe and Coach Torp uh, basically talk know. <laughs> very, like, very highly. I was highly. like, stop it. Stop <laughs> talking don't, don't about don't him. Say that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he and he, he'll deserve whatever he gets. And oh, yeah. I think yeah. that the Thunder very much want to keep him. Uh, I think they are, I mean, they are so proud of what what he's done and they what they've done with him uh in their player development but i you know it's possible that some other team you know offers him you know a three-year 45 million dollar contract and like but, but then okc will keep him oh you think so right well yeah, I think that between, well, maybe 15 is too much. I don't think that anyone will offer him 15. I think, I really think that below, like around under Robertson number, they will keep him. Okay. I know that the tax implications, I, I very well know them. Uh, but I also know that you have to keep him. Like you can trade other contracts and make that contract look like a 5 million contract if you need um, yeah. For example, you can trade Patterson. It will be yeah. devastating for the bench. But would you rather have three years of Jeremy, three years of Jeremy Grant at um, eleven millions and no Patterson, or no Jeremy Grant and Patterson? Because that is the real, uh, the, the actual choice that the OKC will have to make. And I think that if you are put uh, yourself in that situation where, like, he commands that money. I think OKC will choose him 
and I have very little doubt that they will. And, to, and, and again, Patterson is an active contract, so you can actually trade him and get assets. Yeah. So, you could, so it's, you could trade Singler and Patterson into someone's space for... Yeah, yeah sure. there's not space out there, but you could theoretically trade those two for like a early second round pick or a late. No, maybe, maybe a late one. No, maybe you're not late because uh, you, you're like you have that money there. And I think that Patterson is worth like uh, maybe an early second, maybe a late first. But I don't I don't think so. And so yeah. you cancel out with the single contract, which is OK. I mean, you get like a fake second rounder. Fine. Mm-hmm. You get to keep you get to keep Jeremy, which is way which is worth way more than that. Yeah, you're tra- you're trading for the opportunity to keep to keep Jeremy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Does that work? Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, so I won't be surprised. Uh, are we ready for the last beef, which is like <laughs> the beef of the beef, basically? Yes. Uh, and it is Russell Westbrook doesn't make his teammates better. Oh, plenty, plenty of tweets. Like yesterday night. While Russell was destroying Utah with his decision making um, in the fourth, if we just forget for one second about the last two minutes, uh, which to me didn't happen. Um, like Harla Bob, Bob Vulgaris, the famous uh, gambler, said, Russell Westbrook fed a one armed Stephen Adams who was clearly in pain and playing with only one good hand arm twice in a row so he could get closer to a triple double and then he was not uh, satisfied and he alluded to the fact that russ did that did the, the like the closing run where he basically took shots was because he was trying to reach paul george in scoring uh while being extremely detrimental to the team so i get that russ decision making sometimes is not up to his standards especially in certain situations uh but to say that russ doesn't make his team better and he's just looking for his is nonsensical uh, and so to prove that the question is the following at least uh, is it true that at least five player shoots better when Russ is off the floor and Felton or anyone else is uh, the main ball handler? No. No, it's false. It's actually no one. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like uh, Nick Collison, uh, okay. which played like a few possessions. Yeah. And by a hair, probably a split of a hair, Carmelo Anthony, which is since he doesn't really uh, cares about passes, he just generates his shot however. And so he is actually slightly worse uh, with Westbrook on the court. And actually his minutes with the second unit plays a ro- play a role here uh, because basically Anthony played very few minutes without Westbrook in the um, last 60 games of the season. And he was actually effective with the second unit. So you can, you can guess why. But every other player, like every single one of them, is actually way better uh, in terms of effective field goal, through shooting, and you name it, with Russ on the floor. So Russ is making everyone better. He's making Stephen Adams uh, a borderline all-star. He's making, like... Is making guys like Abrinas and Patterson shooting the best percentage from trees. So how can you say that? Like there's no real stats anywhere that says that Russell Westbrook is make is making his teammates worse than what they are. It's the narrative that I was talking about earlier. It's, it's like why I was like it just makes me so mad. And it's it's just the, stupid. It's the Bob Volgaris, it's the Bill Simmons, it's all those dudes. And they, I mean, do not be swayed by them because they have very powerful people in their ears, mm-hmm. powerful people in the NBA in their ears saying, let's just squash Russell. Like, let's just, let's just destroy him. And, you know, like that's like, that's what they want to do. And you know what? The problem is that people buy into it. And just because Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook is not the most efficient player in the world shooting the basketball doesn't mean he's not a good player. Like people, people are are out of their minds. They act like Russell Westbrook is like Rajon Rondo when he played for the Sacramento Kings. You know, mm-hmm. like they act like he's just not any good and he's not helpful. That's just not the case. 
Like go, like go spend some time digging into the numbers for Russell and look beyond just what he's shooting, his true shooting percentage and stuff like that. Like he is contributing in so many other ways. You know, if Russell Westbrook played in New York or he played for the Golden State Warriors or if he even if he played in Orlando, like everybody would be like, wow, like this, this dude is amazing. He's must see TV like he. I may not shoot the ball well, but he does everything else well. And he contributes in so many ways. Like, wow, he this this dude is average a triple double two years in a row. Like, wow, that's just something that should be celebrated. But the but he plays in Oklahoma City, and there are people that are against OKC. There are people that are against the franchise, and that's not just me being a homer. That's that's like real stuff. Like it's like he's just eaten alive, and it's just it's just ridiculous like it's it's crazy just because everybody loves to criticize anyone that's not steph curry like just because steph curry exists it doesn't mean that like everybody else sucks you know like steph curry's great and his shooting is unbelievable he's he's awesome he's awesome like steph curry is probably the best offensive player in the nba by a mile yeah there is every number that supports so but still like to say that westbrook if you want to say that Man, if Russ trims like two or three stuffs from his game, he would be like probably the best player in the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what? Like, uh, like if Curry was able to play defense uh, at a very high level, like Oladipo wise, for example, mm-hmm. uh, then he would be even better. Everyone can be better. But why don't you appreciate what Westbrook does every single night? Yeah. And you want to say to him that uh, OKC... Uh, underachievement is on him. It's not. It's it's really not. There is no number that say so. It's again for the second year in a row the fact that without Russ, OKC is struggling a lot. Maybe because his way is so his way to play is so polarizing. Then when you don't have that kind of force, you are not used to run other stuff. But guess what? That is not on Westbrook. Like because if you have a style of playing with Westbrook on the court which is extremely effective, plus ten points in net rating. When he comes to off the when he, when he goes to the bench, you as a team should have a way to play without him, and you cannot change Russell Way because Russell Way is successful. Mm-hmm. You have to change other stuff. It's always it's almost like if you play with LeBron James, you want the ball in your hand all the time because when he sits, then you are ready. No, that's not going to work. I mean, if you play with LeBron, he will have the ball a hundred percent of the time, and you do with the ball whatever it pleases. So when he sits, you have to find ways to score. You as a team, not him playing differently when he's on the court. Yeah, yeah, it's it's maddening, and it's it's like that it's that Twitter mentality where you're either the very best or you suck, you know. Yeah, and it's like that. Come on, guys, let's have some nuance within this. Like we are smart people. Like most most everybody is a smart person, and we can understand things at a different level rather than suck or great. You know, like Russell is not the best player in the NBA. He's not. And he never will be because he doesn't shoot the ball well enough to be that. But he sure as heck is a top five or top 10 player, whoever, depending on who you're talking to, like he is that. And like, that's great. Like, let's just enjoy things. Uh, Here's my challenge to all our listeners and to Twitter in general. Let's try to enjoy some things. This playoffs, let's just enjoy. Let's enjoy some things. Let's enjoy people being good. The NBA players being good because it, it's just so uncool to enjoy things it's it's more cool to criticize things and to downplay things and but you know what i think it's more fun to enjoy things in life so let's let's enjoy it uh Michele, you got anything else before we go no uh, my rant uh, on like twitter <laughs> twitter uh, against russ is over so i have awesome. nothing else to say uh follow Michele on twitter uh at mikey barra you can follow me at andrew k schlecht uh follow our show at down to dunk i did a, a little youtube hangout last night youtube live so you can check out that link it's in it's on my uh twitter feed uh you can go watch it i gave a little recap of the game if you want to come hang out after game two i will um after the interviews and everything i will go set up in the arena and answer questions and we'll chat we chatted for about uh 30 minutes last night and it was a lot more exhausting than i thought it would be just talking by myself all the time but uh it was good It was really fun so please join me uh wednesday night for that uh we have 
almost 400 five-star iTunes reviews, which is just uh, overwhelming and very awesome. And if we can get to 400 here in the next, you know, week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever, that'd be great. So if you're someone that listens week in, week out, and you're like, oh man, I haven't done that yet. Uh, take the time today. Take, you know, it takes two minutes. If you have a, a, an iPhone, you can search for it in the podcast app and then just hit five stars. Boom. You're done. Uh, if you have a computer, you can go to iTunes and do it that way. Um, but that means a lot to us. That's something that you can do to help us out that's free uh obviously please visit andy's frozen custard as well uh that helps us too uh and we'll talk to you guys again wednesday with alex spears (laughs) 